Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. And welcome. This is the Investor Coaching Show. Paul Winkler, Ann Swaski, talking money and investing. And black swans. Black swans. I like white swans. Yeah. But black swans are unusual, so hence there is a term in the investing world named after black swans. Black swan event is something that is so stinking weird. <laughs> Let me explain this, shall we? <laughs> so you got this thing called a bell curve. Those of you that hated statistics class, just bear with us. So you got this bell curve, and most of the things in life show up in a distribution. You have people of varying heights. There are some people that are very, 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 very tall, but very few of them. And you got some people that are very, 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 very short, but there are very few of them. Most people are somewhere in the middle, and you have this bell curve. There is an average height for people, and that would be the mean. And then you'll have the median, which is half people are taller than this and half people are shorter than this. But this bell curve is this, you know, it looks like a bell. Well, you know, in statistics, most things fall within this with a nice normal distribution is what we call it. You'll have a few really weird tall people and a few very, they may be very normal tall people, but <laughs> you have few very <laughs> weird short people. Okay, so what happens is that in investing, most of your returns fall in a certain area over time, but you can have black swan events where you have an extremely high return, but you'll also have the possibility of an extremely low return and investing, it's not necessarily you have a large tail on the left side. So there could be this like the extraordinarily bad event, like hence think the, the Great Depression that has a very, very bad outcome where stock market went down 80%. I mean, some mm -hmm. large companies went down 80%. Now, People jumped out of windows and then the market was back in five years and, and they were like, oh man, I probably shouldn't have jumped out that window, but it's too late. You can't even say I shouldn't have jumped out because you're not there anymore. <laughs> but <laughs> I digress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, it's sad. A lot of people don't, you know, they don't know. They hear about the depression. They don't recognize that the market actually recovered. And, and you know, so hence, um, but, but some people did because they had borrowed money. And they had to repay the loans when the stock market was down and they did lose everything not to come back. So, uh, and the, or they invested in individual stocks. So black swan events is, you know, something like this, something really weird happens and you're going like, gosh, um, wish I could have prepared for this. So one thing that you're talking about, there was something in this, I, I get that. I'm looking over, looking over at what you got. It looks like a yeah, retirement a, 65 or... Yeah, or rethinking, rethinking 65, yeah. an article called... Yeah, I, I get called, that as well. Mm -hmm. hope, <clears throat> hope for the best, prepare for the worst by um, 
Right. Peter Newworth. Now, this guy, he's an actuary. So, of course... Oh, a big insurance guy. The article will be biased towards insurance. Reminds me of being in court one day and a lady asking me, you know, Mr. Winkler, are you an actuary? And I says, no, ma'am, but I've been accused of it on occasion. (laughs) 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 No, actually, what you need is somebody with a financial planning degree. (laughs) Uh, And I've got lots of those. Uh, But anyway, so, yeah. Yeah, I thought the article was good, though, because... Um, it, he talks about uh, a guy who wrote a book, um, Nit, Nassim Nicholas Talib, mm-hmm. and his quote is, I know that history is going to be dominated by an improbable event. I just don't know what that event will be. Sure. And so he says, organize your life to survive a severe economic or life event that's essential for long-term financial health. Strive to be anti-fragile. But but don't go overboard. Well, yeah. So, I mean, his solution, I wouldn't agree with. Well, who is it? Let me guess, annuities. Yeah, I mean, of course. it's like Well, you know, the problem, the problem with that, of course, is that you say, okay, we could go and stick the money in an annuity, and then the insurance company goes under. Or if you think about it, when you have invested with the insurance company, they have put the money in end investments, Mm-hmm. You know, they were just the intermediary. So a lot of times what happens to the financial industry, they use fear to sell. And even when they're not necessarily doing it on purpose, they're doing it and not recognizing because, you know, back when I was an agent and I was, you know, early in my financial career, I didn't really think about what the insurance company was investing in. That didn't really cross my mind that they were just an intermediary. I saw the word guaranteed and was just every bit as, well, I wasn't sucked in because I, I, I didn't believe anything. But, you know, most people do. They, they see it as, it as it is a guarantee. It's been around forever, et cetera. And that's how they market it, honestly. I used well, to work for an insurance company. Yeah, and insurance they talk companies a have lot been around about forever. their history. Well, they've been around forever, but, you know, no, yeah. no, most people don't look at the number of companies that have actually gone back. Bankrupt. Right. But but here's you know, what here's so, so what a financial he, company's been around forever. So here's what he said he did. And uh-huh. I I love I'm gonna love to hear your okay. comments on this. <laughs> you know. <laughs> because I know what he's have gonna an say. Okay. I know but, I have an opinion. <laughs> right. So he said he um let me see, he got annuities. Mm-hmm. cash value life insurance, mm-hmm. pension benefits, mm-hmm. and he took his old 401k and put it 100% in U.S. Treasury inflation protected securities. Oh, my goodness. And then he did collectibles. Oh, wow. That's that's exciting. So, so that's exciting. So basically, so commodities. Comment, comment on that one, Paul. Okay, so... so <laughs> With Treasury Inflation Protected Securities, one of the things that, what the way they work, let me explain this first of all. So you have a regular Treasury bill, and when the government issues a Treasury bill, uh, they'll issue that at a discount, and then it will grow to the value of what it's going to mature at, and that's, it's going to be less than a year. That's what Treasury bills are issued for. Then you have Treasury Notes. Treasury notes a little bit longer. Then you have treasury bonds. You know, you if you're 10 years plus, you got a treasury bond and the government sells that thing for a thousand bucks. It matures for a thousand dollars. There is an interest rate uh, that's that's aligned with that. So let's say that we look at interest rates now. I don't even know what interest rates are on uh, on 10 year treasuries. It's probably neighborhood of um, 
Oh gosh, uh, do this on the fly. Let's see what what they're sitting at right now, because I want to use an example that would be three point five three percent. Okay, so basically you're losing about three percent to inflation or whatever the inflation rate is. You're losing to inflation with that because they're going to pay you thirty five dollars a year for the use of your thousand dollars. Okay, now with a I bond or a treasury inflation protected security inflation protected because what they do is they say, okay, we're going to pay a little bit lower coupon rate. The interest rate isn't going to be 3.53. It's going to be lower than that. But what we're going to do is if inflation comes in at 3%, we're going to increase the principal. So we're going to take that thousand dollars and we're going to increase it to a thousand thirty dollars. And then now that money is going to be earning the interest as well. And you've also gotten the, the in increase based on inflation, which sounds really good. But what happens is that your interest rate on the underlying bond is lower to start with, number one. And the interest rate is so low that basically what's happening is you're getting an income, but it is on such a small amount uh, compared to what you might want to live on. You know, you may want to live on a million dollars and you might want to live on $40,000, but you may only be able to take like $10,000 and, and, uh, and that's it. And that's, you're going to be your income. And you start with a much, much lower level of income. Number one, number two, it's all dollar denominated. So if we're looking at the, the dollar and saying, well, okay, the dollar has purchasing power and it can, it'll protect me from the de devaluation of that. But the reality of it is a lot of things that we buy are going to be sold from other countries that use different currencies. Now you've got that currency risk that you're not protected against. So now I got another problem on my hands. Another problem that I have on my hands is, you know, well, gosh, you know, we talk about the government not defaulting, but the government has, who knows? I mean, you just don't know. You know, you know, not saying that the government's going to default them, they're dead or anything like that, but the reality of it is there is a risk with bonds mm -hmm. and having all your eggs in that one basket. Now, I've known people that have done that, that have, that have done that. But, you know, the, the thing is, is the people that I've known that have done it have been so extraordinarily wealthy that they could care less. And, but I still go, I, you know, I, I wouldn't put all my eggs in that one basket. So there are several if issues that I have with that particular way of doing things. Well, and, and the biggest thing, uh, for me, when I read that is mm -hmm. for the average person reading that, like you said, mm -hmm. you're going to be taking such a lower income in retirement mm -hmm. than is necessary. That, that's it. Yeah. And it, that's to me is sad and un, it's unfortunate. It's unnecessary. It's so, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of protecting mm -hmm. uh, and investing for any contingency in retirement, but I don't think that's the way to do it because you're hurting yourself financially. You might run out of money because you're not able to take as much. You're not able to respond to inflation over time. And the stewardship issue, you think about it, maybe part of what you're supposed to be doing is helping the next generation, but you have a lot less to help them with if, right? you, if you're taking an investment with such a low return 
potential. Right, right. And not yeah. to mention the risks, but but also that. Yeah. And and you look at I was just pulling up as you, as you were talking and looking at like last year what mm-hmm. a, what a tips bond ETF did. The iShares tips bond ETF TIP is is the ticker symbol for it. It lost twelve percent. Mm-hmm. Over twelve percent was the return. Of mm-hmm. that, so there's a lot of interest rate risk with these types right. of things, and you don't think about that with these types of bonds. Right. Uh, you know, you had uh, you had back in 2013, there was a negative eight percent return, and then you had 2014, it was up three percent. Yeah. And then it was down almost 2% the next year after that. It was up the next two years, 4% and 2%. Then it was down 1%. So you, you'll get a lot of these negative returns and you have a lot more risk than you really think because, oh, it's government guaranteed, right? right. And you don't recognize mm-hmm. there's more risk than meets the eye, those right. types of things. Right. So you wanted to pair that mm-hmm. with something else that was that you had seen. It was someplace you had seen a dimensional type of thing. And, and they were talking yeah. about, uh, what was the title of that? I like the title. Uh, the, what was that? It's how targeting the size, value, and profitability premiums can improve retirement outcomes. Gee, that's, that does not sound out. familiar. Yeah, doesn't yeah. that sound familiar? It's what we've been teaching for over 20 years here. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so this study that they did, it was really interesting because uh, what they did was they compared it uh, to from somebody starting at age 25 through mm-hmm. age 65 and then passing away at 95. Okay. And... In the first case, they use 100% equities Okay. until they get to about 45. Then, then they, they do a back glide off. path. A glide down path down. Okay. To a 50 sure. 50. Sure. And the equities, they're just looking at the uh, crisp one through 10. So, so Center for Research and Securities Prices at University of Chicago, they track the database is tracking. All these companies, like one through 10, the entire U.S. stock market would be that. Nine through 10 would be the small caps, and one through two would be the S&P 500, roughly. So that's what that is. Right. And they compare that with the dimensional U.S. adjusted market one index, which is an index that reflects the performance of equities or stocks. So they're using their academic research Yeah, is, is in essence, what you're doing is... And... With uh, a balance emphasizing size, value, and profitability, which is what we—that's how we approach things around here. Just so I'm, I'm interpreting yes. as as Anne goes. That's how we approach things. We, you look at, at large companies versus small companies. You look at at target date funds, target twenty forty fund, target twenty thirty fund. You know, you'll typically find. Oh, not typically. I'm just, I can't. I can't think of an exception to this. But anyway, you'll find that they overweight large companies, and what they're basically saying here is go with the academics and make sure that you have small companies in there as well and that you lean you know you lean some small and you lean value in the portfolio so you're not leaning large in growth like most target investment portfolios do okay so keep yeah going. Keep so going. uh and they looked at um 10 year periods i think a thousand different combinations of 10 year uh, or a hundred thousand 
100,000. Well, wait a minute. How different. do you do that? How do you do it? Uh, did, they, did they do a randomization probably? Yes, they, they had to do. do a randomization. Of yes. In, in English, in English what, what I said when, when I said randomization, you may do it linearly. Mm-hmm. In other words, you may go from January 1st of 1945 to you know December 31st of 1944. Okay, so that would be one 10-year period. Then you may go to February of 1945 to, and mm-hmm. then you go to the January of, you know, so of uh, of fifty five. So they so, did it on the period from June nineteen twenty seven to December twenty twenty two monthly. Yeah, and, and you do taking it monthly. all different combinations. Yeah. And then then what you do is you might yeah. randomize it, where you'll take right. you know one month from nineteen forty five, and then the next month after that was what happened in nineteen eighty six or something like exactly. that. Exactly. So ran- randomize. So anyway, here's the interesting thing about uh-huh. it is, uh, oh, and then by the way. Then they looked at from night uh, from retiring at sixty five uh-huh. and taking a standard four percent distribution to ninety five. Did they inflate it for? Did they use an inflation on that? I don't believe they used an inflation. Oh, they need to use inflation. Yeah. Come on, come so on. I mean, you know, this is <laughs> this is, but you know, this is a study that's right. right. You know, they oversimplified. I like. Yeah, I like, they did I like over, I like complicating things, but you yeah. Know. But but anyway, here's the here's the thing that's amazing about it mm-hmm. is, um, oh, and then they end up at fifty fifty split. By the way, okay. So it says when you compare half stocks and half bonds for the folks. Yeah, there. yeah, okay. The dimensional using the profit value size mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. criteria with just the market, the mm-hmm. U.S. market too. Again, mm-hmm. so that's a limitation on it, but still, mm-hmm. um, it says. Historically, you would have about 20% more return if you started doing this at age 25. 20% more return? So, so by, the the return, time, uh, by the time you are 65, yeah. you'd have about 20% more money. Just 20% more money or 20% more return? Accumulation? Well, just... 20% more accumulation. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I think that's low. It might be low. I think that's super low because, but, well, but the, the, the company I know, you know, that you're talking about right there, mm-hmm. and I've seen the research. There are a lot of really good things that they do, but they have a tendency to do the same market tilt that I was talking about. They mm-hmm. don't tilt far enough, Yeah, in my humble opinion. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just simply because they don't think people will stick with it sometimes. It's like Vanguard yeah. did that thing. They said, Vanguard, we're not going we're gonna ignore the academic research. Why are you gonna mm-hmm. do that? Because we don't people don't think people are gonna stick with it. Yeah. Oh, that's a real good reason to re- ignore <laughs> academic research. Yeah. Um, you know. But uh, and and but I think that that's that's good. Yeah, that that's cool. So and so and, so the pre- so the premiums ahead. that we do target definitely have shown in this particular study mm-hmm. to have a significant payoff. No question. No yeah. question about it. And I think that is, and not only is it interesting from, yeah, the premiums do show up. I think that they that they ought to use the premiums more mm-hmm. than they typically do in, in the research. Yeah. Uh, now, here's the other thing, Because I think there's though. evidence that that's a good idea. 
but there, there, it also happens in other countries. I want to make a point. It doesn't just happen in U.S. markets. Right. So that's why, I'm, to me, that's a limitation of the study. It's only looking at the U.S. market. Oh, okay. See, there, you know. there. Okay. Yeah, that yeah. would be a, that'd be a huge limitation. Right. Because, and the reason, folks, that, that's a huge limitation is you'll have entire decades uh, where international markets do much better because of the weakening of the U.S. dollar. And so mm-hmm. a lot of, that makes sense to me now why yeah. the number was so small. That makes so much more sense to me mm-hmm. right now. Okay. Yeah. But here's the other- But it was higher, but it was smaller the, than I thought it should here's have Here's the thing that is pretty cool about it too, though, is mm-hmm. they said that even if you go, oh my gosh, I didn't do that for mm-hmm. my whole accumulation period. Mm-hmm. If you start doing that at age 65, yeah. it still happens yeah, cool. for your retirement. Cool. Right. Sure. So it's never too late to start doing- yeah. What the academic science says is the right thing to do. Yeah. So. It's, you can't fix the past, but you can sure do something about the future. So, and some people do that. They'll say, oh man, I wish we had started with you guys 20 years ago. And I'm like, well, you know what? You started now. That's, that's what matters. Right. And then it said, um, it actually reduces the failure rate too of yeah. retirement portfolios so, by about half. Yeah. That's, oh my goodness. That's huge. Hey, folks, I want to tell you something I'm really excited about. My new book, Confident Financial Planning, is finally out. It's in paperback, hardcover, Kindle version, and I actually have an audiobook version of it. Uh, it talks about building your financial castle. I use that throughout the book, talking about your investments, your financial plan is kind of like a castle. You have your savings and your emergency funds. I talk about that, debt, good debt, bad debt talk about special goal funds and how to set those things up and how to invest for those types of special things that you might want to do in the future. Types of retirement accounts, different types of taxation of investment accounts, talk about real estate investing and pros and cons of that, how to project retirement assets, and your moat. You know, that's how you protect your castle. It's the risk management aspect of a financial plan. You want to find out more about that? You go to paulwinkler.com forward slash book to get it. And I hope you enjoy. So there was an interesting study just talking about using the value, the size effect. And we hear us talk about that all the time here on the show, making sure that you have not just growth stocks in your portfolio, big growing companies, but also value companies, more stodgy companies. Quite often that is the case because stodgy companies have to pay to use your money historically as well. Not just growthy companies. Matter of fact, growthy companies historically pay less to use your money. <laughs> it's just just the opposite of what you know you might think, but that's the way it works. Smaller companies historically have to pay more to use your money because they're smaller. There's more risk. They have to pay more. Just like people uh, you know that have financial total financial stability don't have to pay much to use money because they're borrowing out of just convenience more than anything. Now, studies shows this study that uh, was done, what's the title of that article? Oh, um, uh, how targeting the size, value, and profitability premiums can improve retirement outcomes. There you go. So in, in essence, what, we're fi- what they're finding in this research is what we've been talking about for 20 years on this show. Uh, it's a brand new study. This is something that we've been talking about for a long, long time. And this is hence something that I think about. Now, one of the things that we talk about is, okay, where they, they tried taking an income from the portfolio. They actually increased it for inflation. Yeah, they, they did. They actually I... did increase it for inflation. So it was a real uh, real rate of return. Yes. Now, one, one of the things that we talk about in here and... Uh, 
and they said that not only that, but it increased the how, not odds of success or how, did, how was that worded in the study? So you're taking an income and what you want to do is you want to see, hey, if I fix certain things and, and I start to use some of this research, unlike these big investment companies, like I mentioned Vanguard, you know, all the time saying that they say, we're not going to use it because we don't people think people will stick with it. And it's being, you know, they did this thing in, um, oh, it was, uh, what was the, I forgot what the study was. And, and but they, there was this comment, we're not going to use it because we don't think people will stick with the research, which I think is just a terrible reason. But uh, that's what happens. They will use this information and they'll say, hey, what would have happened during periods in history had we actually followed this research and let's randomize it so we're looking at different years and different orders to see if it'll still work. Then you're looking at if we're likely to be able to pull this off without running out of money. And how did they put it? What was the term that they used in the research that they, they actually were able to increase the odds of success is my, the way I look at it. Yeah. I mean, basically, um, they, the failure rate, the failure rate is of they, the portfolio, the okay. which would be running out of money, running out right? Of money. Mm -hmm. So from 65 to 95 with taking the amount, even if you started at 65 and hadn't even done it mm -hmm. from your, in your accumulation phase, they said the premium still reduces the failure rate of the portfolio of from 4.7% to 2.5%. Which a failure rate that low is obscenely yeah. low. Because so, what, it, what it assumes is that you have all your bad returns in the very, very beginning of your mm -hmm. retirement, which the way a computer randomizes this stuff, it's kind of, computers are stupid. As much as we <laughs> like to think that they're smart, they will take a bunch of random numbers and sometimes randomly they'll put all of these bad returns in the very, very beginning, and then all the good returns later. Well, that's not how markets work. But, you know, here's, here's the reason this is important. What Anne is basically saying is that they've reduced the standard deviation of the portfolio or how big the ups and downs are. Hence, that's part of the reason that the failure rate went down. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's a huge, huge finding. Right. And so, and they said here, too, to your point, they said that while these different premiums, small value and profitability, they don't show up all the time, mm -hmm. but the odds of all three of them not showing up at once is so low. Yes. Okay. So in English, let me translate here for what Anne is saying. This is really cool. So if we look at a premium, what a premium is, is an additional expected return for having one asset category over another. For example, I might have large U.S. stocks have an expected return of 10%, let's say. Let's just use a number. And small companies might be 12. Let's just use that number. The premium in this particular case is 2%. That's the additional expected return of holding small over large. So you, she's saying that, you know, sometimes their small companies don't have as high of a return as large companies. Like during Trump's presidency, large companies had a higher return than small companies. It happens. Uh, you know, sometimes value companies don't have a higher return than growth. Although historically, 96% of 20-year periods, value does better there are short periods of time where value has underperformed large. Then you have, you know, the profitability premium, and that is something that helps us determine what is value. Then you'll have, you know, the equity premium, which is stocks typically have a higher return than fixed income. 
Well, you know, for all of those premiums not to have at the same exact time, that's like really infinitesimally small. Talk about a black swan event. There you go. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's some really good research right yeah, there. So, right. you know, hence, this is when we talk about here on the show, we're just like really adamant that we follow academic research. And that's why. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. You want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there. And if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors. And confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., PWI, an investment advisor registered in the state of Tennessee. PWI does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation. This information is provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any securities.